Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our Advent series, which we are calling Do You Hear What I Hear? And we are led this week by our good friend from the Urban Impact Foundation, the Reverend Dr. Ed Glover. Two quick things before we get to this week's message. The first is that you can find our schedule for the month of December, including our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services, on our website at ccgf.org slash Christmas. And if you happen to be looking for a devotional for this year during Advent, you will find one on our app under the Advent tab. Now, here is Pastor Ed with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Before we begin, I just want to say something to you, to the staff, to the pastoral staff and tech team, and again, to you as a congregation. I want to to say this, that if there's such thing as a holy pride, I have that for all of you. Why I say that is because about a month ago, I challenged us all to pray and to ask the Lord to put on our hearts people that we might invite to light the night. And I am so thankful, so excited. As you know, the Lord, through you, packed this place out two nights in a row. I mean, packed it out. But what was even greater is that Hundreds, and I literally mean hundreds of people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. God be the glory and thank you. But I am so grateful, so thankful on behalf of Urban Impact and myself. And I, I'm so, so delighted that Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation have locked arms together. And we partnered in the gospel and you and You and I get the opportunity to run the Lord's errands together, right here in this community as well as throughout our city. And I'm just so grateful, so thankful, and I am absolutely looking forward to what God is going to do in 2018. Would you do something for me? Would you please, one more time, and I mean really put your hands together, and let's thank God and thank one another for what he did and what he's going to do today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would just ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of any sin and that you would fill me with your spirit and you would speak through me to your people and we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Today, as you know, we're going to continue in our Christmas series. And we've been looking at Christmas songs. And last week we looked at Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Well, this morning we're looking at a song I really love, which which was sung for us very beautifully. Mary, did you know? This past week I looked at some information on that research, and I found that Mary, did you know, was first recorded in 1991. And it was sung by the gentleman Michael English. Then I discovered that it was written by a Christian comedian, and his name is Mark Lowry. And Mark Lowry said that he was sitting having a cup of coffee, and he was contemplating the questions that he would ask the Virgin Mary. And as you've just heard, the song is just a series of questions. And I want to read those lyrics for us one more time. Just think now about these questions. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? 
Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy was or has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you have kissed the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child that you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you know? Well, Mary might not have known all the details, but she knew that Jesus, her son, was going to be the Messiah. Why do I say that? Because Gabriel, the angel, told her. Look what it says in verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus in Hebrew means Yahweh saves. Can you say that with me? Yahweh saves. Now, in Mary's day, a lot of people were called Jesus. But remember, Gabriel, the angel, has shown up in front of Mary. And he's announcing to her to call her child Jesus. This was different. Knowing that that name meant Yahweh saves... It definitely introduced the possibility of her son, her son could be the Messiah. That was all cleared up, though, in verse 32, because Gabriel clearly communicated to her that her son would be the Messiah. Not could be, but would be. Look what he says in verse 32. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. When Gabriel said that to Mary, what he was saying is this. Now, ladies, think about this. The angel saying to this about one of your children. He said, this child is a child of the most high. What he was communicating was that your child, Mary, is going to possess the very nature and essence of God. This child is going to be God incarnate. Ladies, could you imagine the angel saying that that to you? Your child will be the son of God. Then Gabriel backs up what he said by referring to a number of prophecies that had been foretold about Jesus, about the Messiah coming, I should say. And look what he says in verse 33, 32 and 33. He says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then, what is happening here is that Gabriel is referring to a number of prophecies. I can't go into all of them this morning, not not enough time. But let me highlight just one very popular prophecy. It's foretold in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Mary might not have known all the details of Jesus' life, but she was certain that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, to the Messiah, to the Savior of the world. Again, she might not have known all the details, but you and I, we know all the details. For we have been given the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know everything that there is to really know that's needed to be known about Jesus Christ. So, our response to him is the most important decision we'll ever make. So the question this morning isn't, did Mary know? But do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? This is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because a Savior has been born. His name is Jesus. Now, he's no longer on the, uh, in the cradle. He's no longer on the cross. And he's no longer in the grave. He's walked out of the grave. He lives. He's alive. So we're not here to, if you will, worship some type of set of teachings. Or we're not here to go through ritual We're not here about some type of religion. We're here to worship and to celebrate the fact that we can have a personal relationship with a living Christ who came and overcame sin and death. And he alone has all the power and the authority to forgive us of our sin and to give to you and I eternal life. This is what Jesus said in John chapter John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus said this. Do you believe this? Say that with me. Do you believe this? I was with a gentleman this past week who had two of his family members die. And his brother, who was ebbing away, dying, who knew, who knew Jesus Christ as his personal savior, savior, died with unbelievable peace. But his brother, who's still alive, his brother went from the land of the dying into the land of the living. But his brother's still here with all of us. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Ed, as I watched my brother die, he died with such peace. He believed. And I've been a Christian as long as he has been. Matter of fact, longer. I'm older than he is. He said, as I sat there and I contemplated, if I was dying, would I believe like he believes? Do you believe this? That Jesus died and was raised again from the dead and he lives. And those of us who call upon his name because he lives, you too shall live. He goes to prepare a place for you in his, in his mansion, in his father's mansion, are room, rooms, many rooms. And he goes to prepare a place for you. Do you believe that? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Do you believe that Jesus is a savior? You know, growing up, I, I didn't grow up in the church. Matter of fact, we never went to church. My father was an atheist. And I mean it when I say I never went to church. The only time I remember going to church was one time when we went to a wedding. So I had no clue. 22 years of my life, never been in church, had no idea much about anything, about the scriptures, about Jesus. But I finally heard that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin 
and he died for the sins of the world, and he was resurrected from the dead. My first thought in my mind was, why? And why is it important that I believe this? Now, there might be one or two of you out there that are thinking that in your mind, thinking, why do I have to believe this? Why? Let me answer that question for you, because that question was answered for me, and it changed my life forever. Let me ask, let me answer that. To start out, I need to say this, that first of all, the scriptures tell us that God created everything, which includes you and I. In other words, he used your mom and dad to make you, but God created you in your mother's womb. And he created you for a purpose, and that purpose is to have a relationship with him. That's what he desires. He desires to have a relationship with you and I. However, when God created mankind, he first started out by creating who? Adam and Eve. But they were tempted. And they fell into temptation and they sinned. And from that moment on, from that moment on, all of Adam's offspring were born in sin. And that includes you and I. We were all all born, if you will, with a sinful nature. I said this often, just in case you, you don't think that you were born with a sinful nature, let me ask a question specifically to parents and grandparents. When you had your children, when your children were born, did you have to teach them how to do wrong? Did you have to teach them how to be disobedient? No. They were wired in. They knew how to do that. They came with all that naturally. So we're not, we, we didn't have to, as moms and dads and grandparents, we didn't have to teach our kids to do wrong. We had to teach them to do right. But it didn't stop there. We grew up. And when we grew up, even though we know the dis- difference between what is right and what is wrong, there are times we choose to do wrong, even though we know it's wrong. And the Bible says when we do that, we break the laws of God. And we all know that we've done that. We all know it was wrong. We didn't care. We did it anyway. And we broke the laws of God. And the Bible says this about sin. It says all have sinned. In Romans chapter 3 verse 23 it says all have sinned. That means all of us are in the same boat. We, there's, there's things that we've said, things that we've done. We wish we could have not said. We wish we could, 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 not, could like rewind the tape and start over. But we said them, we did them, and we know it. So we, we agree with the Bible. We, okay, we're not perfect. There's not one of us that's perfect in the room. But then it goes on and says... And fall, and fall short of the glory of God. All of sin and fall short of the glory. What does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? What that means is this. There is no way possible for us to reach God's high standard of his goodness. There's no way we're going to be able to do that. Why? Because we've sinned. God is holy and we're not holy. God is perfect and we're no longer perfect. So what happens? We cannot have a relationship with God now. There's no way we can meet that. Just like water and oil do not mix. Just like light and darkness cannot have a relationship. We no longer, because of sin, cannot have a relationship with God. Even though he created you and I to have a relationship with him. The problem is that we have sin and therefore we can't have a relationship with God. And if that sin is not removed then we're going to be lost forever, the Bible says. If that's not dealt with, then we can no longer have this relationship. That's the bad news. The good news is this. The good news is that God had a plan for us. God 
wanted and desired with all of his heart to rescue us. He came to rescue. Look what, look what John chapter 3 verse 16 says. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God loved you so much that he sent his Son. And his Son was born. But when Jesus was born, he was not born of man. He was born of God. He was the Son of God. And what does that mean? That means he was not born like you and I. We were born naturally. We were born of an offspring of Adam, but not Jesus. Jesus was born supernaturally. He was not born of man. He was born of God. And that is absolutely significant. Why? Because that means he is not born with a sinful nature like you and I are born. You and I were born to prone to sin, but not Jesus, because he wasn't born of man, he was born of God. And that's why our passage is so important. Listen to what it says again. In our passage in verse 34, it says, When Gabriel tells Mary that she's going to have a child, and Mary asks the question, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? Gabriel says in verse 35, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the... Son of God. We are all coming from Adam, but not Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin, he, he was, and that virgin was moved upon by the Holy Spirit. He was not born with a sinful nature, he was born of the Spirit. And he, who knew no sin, lived a perfect life and became sinless, and he went to a cross for those of us who have sinned, and he paid the penalty of our sin, it says. It was so important that Jesus was perfect and complete because if he wasn't, then we would never be brought back into a relationship with God because sin would never allow I have a relationship with the Holy God. But because Jesus was perfect, he came and he took our place and he died on that cross to pay the penalty of our sin in order to what? To bring us back into a relationship with God. Hear me, when Jesus was hanging on the cross... He said this. He said, it is finished. It is finished. What that means is that it means that I have paid in full. You see, those three words, it is finished, is wrapped up in one word in the Greek. And it's called tetelestai. And tetelestai literally means paid in full. It's a business term. So Jesus hanging on the cross is saying tetelestai, paid in full. You see, in those days... People would have heard that word and totally understood it because it was used by business people and merchants. When you would go and buy something, they would say, Tetelestai, you paid it in full. Or they'd stamp on your bill, paid in full. Never forget, when I was in seminary, I went to, uh, to the business office and learned that uh, I had a bill that I couldn't pay. I didn't have enough money, and there was no way I was going to pay it. And they were going to expel me from my classes. So once I learned of this, I tried to get some things together and realized I don't have enough money. So I went back up into the business office to find out how much I owed. Even though I couldn't pay it, I just wanted to know, how much do I owe? Walked in, talked to this person behind the, the desk, and she went over and she opened up the, a cabinet, pulled out my file, and pulled out a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, I'll never forget, in big, bold, red letters, stamped on that piece of paper, paid in full. And she looked at me and she said, Mr. Glover, your bill is paid for. You can continue 
taking classes. I remember walking away thinking to myself, man, there's no way I had the money, no way I was going to pay that bill. And I don't even know who paid for it, but it's paid in full. Someone did something for me, stepped into my situation and paid for me. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. No way we could pay it off. There's no way we could do that. But Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, went to the cross and died on our behalf. And he said, it is paid for in full. What does that mean? It means anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus has the power and authority that he can forgive you of all your sin. What it means to be paid in full, it means you can be forgiven. Now, some of you are sitting out there, you mean all my sins, Pastor Ed? Yeah, all your sins, past, present, and future, all paid for. You see, you and I are going to die, and when we stand before God, God, we're going to have to give an account for what we've done. So Jesus not only paid our debt, but he also, because he paid it, he removed it. It's like we've never sinned. Our, it, it makes it possible that our sins are remembered no more. That's what Jesus did. He not only paid it, he made it possible for your sin and for mine to be remembered no more. When you pay for an electric bill, do you remember that bill after you pay for it? Do you sit around saying, oh, I got, I got to deal with this? No, you forget it. You, you leave it. You, you, some of you throw it away. It's remembered no It's paid. When Jesus paid for you and for me, our sin, remembered no more. You will stand before God even though you have all these charges against you because you broke. And you know and I know how many times a day we break the laws of God. You know in your own conscience how many times you've gone and you've done what you know was wrong and you did it anyway. And all those charges coming up against you, they will be remembered no more. You will stand there as if you've never sinned because Jesus Christ said what? It is finished. It's all been paid for in full. And what happens, he not only forgives you, he removes it. And it's no there, that sin is there no longer. So that now you can have a relationship with a living God. That's what Jesus has done for us. And when he was on that cross, I remind you, he said, it is finished. Notice he didn't say, I am finished. No, he said, it is finished. What does that mean? That means, yeah, he paid for our sin in full, but he wasn't done yet. And why wasn't he done yet? Because of what it says over in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all had sinned. In other words, Jesus Christ paid our debt in full, but we had a death problem. The wages of sin is death. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he was buried. He died. He was buried. In three days, he walked out of that grave. And when he walked out of that grave, he not only overcame sin, he overcame death. And he alone has all power and authority now to forgive us of our sin and to give to each and every one of us eternal life. He made that possible because he walked out of the grave and he overcame death and sin. Yes, praise the Lord. And because he lives, he alone is the one who removed the sin. It's there no longer so that we could have a relationship. Listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him 
who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness means that God, Jesus Christ, made it possible for us to be right now with God. Why? Because he paid for our sin, he walked out of that grave, and now he alone can present us before God the Father. And we can now have a relationship with God. He made it possible. You might be sitting out there and saying, Pastor Ed, I'm so sick and tired of living in fear. I'm taking medicine, I'm anxiety, I'm sick of, I'm sick of, I don't know if when I die that I'm going to live. I'm afraid of the things that I've done. I have these secrets, I have all these things going on in my life. I'm filled with guilt. And I'm ashamed. And even if I told my wife or my husband, if I told them really what I am, I don't even know if they would love me any longer. Listen to me. The Lord Jesus Christ knows it all. And he went to the cross for you. He died so that you wouldn't have to. And he walked out of the grave and he lives. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know that you're forgiven and that heaven is your home. He wants to remove that fear and put in there, in your heart and your mind, a peace and an understanding. But you can't do that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can't happen. So you might be asking, okay, and how do I have a relationship with Jesus? The Bible tells us. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world, so loved you, that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what? Believes in him shall not perish but have, what? Eternal life. There it is. I said in the very beginning, do you believe this? Now here, here again, believe, believe, and then you do not perish but you have, what? Eternal life. So it all comes down, do you believe? What does it mean to believe? It's a simple as ABC. A means admit. Admit, I need a Savior. I'm not perfect. I admit it. I've got a problem. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Once you're willing to do that, then you move to B. B means you trust. You believe. You believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he did for you. And what he did on the cross is enough for you. See, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about having a relationship with a living Christ. Religion teaches this, that you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And when you do it good enough, you're accepted by God. That is not what Jesus Christ teaches at all. He teaches this. It's done. It is finished. I paid for all your sin. Totally, completely. I remember someone coming to me, Pastor, what do I need to do to be saved? I said, you're too late. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, because Jesus has already done it. He said, it's done. So now it's not about you doing more. It's about you putting your trust in the one who has done something for you. He died on that cross. He walked out of that grave. And he alone has that power and authority to forgive you. It's about transferring your trust from yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and putting your faith not in your works, but in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What it means like this. I've told this story many times, but it helped so many. So here it is again. Here it is. How do you, what do you mean, Pastor Ed, trusting Jesus, putting my trust in him? I remember when I was a kid trying to learn how to float on my back in a pool. 
And I kept going down to the bottom of the pool, bottom of the pool. Finally, my father was in the pool with me, trying to teach me. He finally took water in his hands like this, and he threw the water up in the air like that, and he said, Ed, water, just like this, holds up Navy ships, Ed. I'm talking about Navy ships. Stop trying and start trusting. Let the water do what it can do for you. That made sense to me. So I laid my back down on the water, and I put my full weight and trust on it, and I floated. What you're doing is you're saying, I can't say... Wages of sin is death. There's no way I can do this. But Jesus Christ died for me. I'm putting my trust in him because now he has all power and authority to forgive me and give me eternal life. I'm transferring my trust upon Jesus and Jesus alone. However, most people right there stop right there. They admit that they need a savior. They they say that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they never go to see. See means commit. Commit to a living Christ. Hear me. Jesus dwells within you, and if he doesn't yet, he's right here right now, and he wants a relationship with you. We're talking about having a relationship. When I got married to my wife, Tammy, I made a commitment to her. To have a relationship with somebody, it takes two. Jesus is already committed to you. He already died on the cross, and he did it publicly. To let you and I know, even when we hear his enemies, that he loved us, that he wants a relationship with you. And when I married my wife, Tammy, I had to say yes to her, and that meant I had to say no to everybody else. But I didn't do it privately. I did it publicly because I wanted everybody to know I got a relationship with this woman. Ladies, if you were to marry a man and he said, hey, I want to be with you, I want to marry you, I want you to love me, I want to love you, I want to have a relationship with you, but I don't want anybody to know. Ladies, would you commit yourself to that person? No, very good. No, no way. I'm out of here. Listen, in our society, we believe we can have this private faith. Somehow we just kind of come to know Jesus. And I'm going, there is nothing in the scriptures. He says, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. I'm committed to you. Are you committed to me? It's about a relationship fully in, fully surrendered, ready to go wherever Jesus will take you. I'm in. That's what Jesus Christ is asking from you and me. Let me give you an illustration that will help you very quickly. I travel a lot. When I travel, I go into an airport. I usually have a bag in my hand. I say I put my bag down. I give the ticket to the person behind the counter, and I begin to talk, and then I talk to some other people. And I turn around, my bag's missing. And I look at the person behind. I said, my bag was right here. Can you help me? It's gone. They look right at me. Mr. Glover, we're sorry, but you never committed that bag to us, so we're not responsible. So what do I do? I run through the airport trying to find my bag or a police officer. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two is this. Go back to the airport. This time I give my bag and my ticket to the person behind the counter. I fly from here, Pittsburgh, to Chicago. They gave me a baggage claim ticket. Once I get there, I go to the baggage claim. My bag isn't there. I go to the person behind the counter. I committed my bag. To you, in Pittsburgh, I came to Chicago, my bag is missing. Now they say to me, Mr. Glover, you committed that bag to us. We're responsible, we'll do everything we can to find that bag. Hear me. Scenario number one, I'm responsible. I never committed my bag, I'm responsible. Scenario number two, I committed my bag. Now they're responsible. Hear me. If you do not commit yourself to Jesus Christ... 
If you do not hang, hand over your baggage in your life, if you don't do this, then when you die and you will, and you will stand before God, you will be responsible. But see, so God so loved you, he doesn't want you to be responsible. He died and walked out of the grave so that you don't have to hold on to this. You could be forgiven. But if you take your baggage in your life and you hand it over to Jesus and you commit yourself to him, he's responsible. And he died on that cross and he said, it's finished. It's done. He paid for your sin. And then he walked out of the grave and now he lives. So that if anybody calls upon his name, they shall know that they're forgiven and that they have eternal life forever and ever. You can know today. That heaven is your home. You can know that today. That the Lord Jesus Christ is your savior. Today you can know that you are not just a creation of God. You can know that you are a child of the living God. Do you want to know that? If you do, what do you do? Well, you believe. You admit. You trust. And you commit. How do you do that? One way is through prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. But that's how you respond. And I'd like to ask you to all bow your heads with me and ask anybody in this room, if you would like to start a relationship, recommit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. This prayer doesn't save you, but Jesus does, but this is your response. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I want to know you in a personal way. I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life, Lord Jesus, and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life, Lord Jesus. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Help me to walk in your spirit. Help me to go to church on Sundays because I am now part of the family of God. Teach me. Help me to grow. For Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody's head's still bowed. Please, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you please simply just raise your hand so that I can see? You got to raise it up high. It's a little dark. Thank you, sir. Thank you, folks down here. Thank you. Anybody over here? Look right here. Anybody over here? Thank you, guys. How about over here in this section? Anybody in this area? Anybody? Just raise your hand. I just want to see your face. I want to know you. I want to remember you. Thank you. Thank you, folks. Over here and there? Thank you. Because you prayed that prayer, now everybody look up. Quite a few people have raised their hands. That might be commitments, recommitments. But I want to talk to all those of you that just raised your hands. Listen now. It's so important that you begin to grow in your relationship. We have small groups here. We have a lot of things that you can be part of. We have bags up here. We want you to come forward if you're willing. Come forward and we want to give you some information that will help you in your new walk. When I came to know Christ, I told you I never went to church before. So when I first went to church, I pulled the Bible out for the first time from the pew. I opened up that Bible and I didn't have a job. So I opened up in the Old Testament and I saw where God was going to teach me how to get a job. Now if you know anything about the Bible, you know I turned to Job. But I didn't... I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. But I had to learn. It's so important that if you prayed this prayer, that you get moving 
you get with somebody, you begin to learn, you get in the word and you grow because God has some wonderful things for you. And you have just joined the family of God. Family of God, a lot of people just came to know Christ. Put your hands together and let's thank the Lord for that. We'll see you here next Sunday. God bless you.